were just primarily focused on online creators and artists and helping them succeed. So I think that narrow focus and solving very specific problems for that group of people has been key to ConvertKit's growth as a company. Hello and welcome to this episode of Confessions of a B2B Marketer. And do we have a big one for you today? It's another growth study, the fifth or the sixth one, I believe. And today we are focused on ConvertKit and Nathan Barry's growth to what now Bear Metrics is telling me is an annual run rate of $37 million. But before that, let's give a massive shout out to Fame, who is the producer of the show and also my business. If you would like to have your own podcast, if you're a B2B SaaS or service business and you want your own show to build an audience of people that know, like, and trust you so that when they need your thing, they come to you to buy it, then go to fame.so. The link will also be in the show notes. But with that said, let's jump into today's episode. January 2013, Boise, Idaho. Nathan Barry has to set himself an ambitious goal. He is going to invest, he says, $5,000 in a SaaS application. And his goal is to grow this to $5,000 MRR in six months. So he does this, invests the money, invests his time over six months, while also doing some other stuff, and we'll get to that later, ultimately lands at $2,480 MRR. And you would have thought that somebody with Nathan's skill set would be able to maybe after 12 months, get it up to the 5k goal. Unfortunately, not by October 2014. So this is a total of 18 months after setting the goal. Monthly revenue, so MRR has actually slid down to $1,207. In the end, it actually takes 23 months and a further $50,000 investment. So a total of $55,000 to get to the 5K MLR mark. But you fast forward then to May 2019, ConvertKit sent 851 million emails that enabled $273 million, $73 million of earnings for its 19,000 customers over the previous 12 months. Their MRR back then in May 2019 was 1.7 million, but as of today, it is currently just over $3 million MRR. So what we're going to be doing in this episode is explaining how he did that. Growth Lever 1, cut all other options. Not specifically a B2B marketing thing, but it has very relevant learnings, let's say, for a B2B marketer. And it's the lesson and the value of focus. Going back to the story I just shared, Nathan, when he set himself that challenge, still delivering online courses and writing books in the kind of online marketing space. He's bringing in roughly $40,000 per month in revenue. So in 2013, he brought in a total of $250,000. And so he starts this challenge. The first few months are going fine. He actually goes from zero up to $2,000 MRR in the first two to three months. But then as we mentioned this, after close to 19 months, he's back down to $1.3 in MRR. And it's actually only late September 2014, Nathan was at a conference and speaking with Hitton Shah, who is of Crazy Egg fame. And Hitton says, look, you could shut down ConvertKit because Hitton then continues, you'll be successful in whatever you want to do, you've proven that, but either shut that down and move on, don't let it hold you back. 
but then hidden drops the bomb. He says, or you can take it seriously, give it the time, money, and attention it deserves and build it into something real. But what you're doing is not working. So either shut it down or double down. His late September 2014, he doubles down. And after three months of strong growth, he invests $50,000 into the business, as we said, and away we go. Here's the start of the growth curve. And it's because Nathan chose to double down. So that is the learning. SaaS businesses can start on the side, but they need full-time attention from their founders if they're going to grow. Growth lever number two, developing the necessary skills. And so a really useful model of business that I've learned, I actually think I learned it from Nathan Barry, is that you can like stack up the different types of businesses that you could potentially run into four levels. So starting at freelancing where you're basically doing work for other people, an agency where you're having other people do work for other people. And from there, you can productize into books and courses where you can produce the information that can serve more people. And then finally, you can have software, which is where you have this application that serves more people. Now, the interesting part about this model is that if you move up that pyramid from freelancing to SaaS, the number of skills that you need or the complexity of the skills that you need increase. So let's just run through some. So if you're a freelancer, then you have, must have some skill that you can do that delivers value to somebody else. To grow an agency, you need to be able to hire and manage people. To sell books and courses, you need to know all about sales and marketing. And then to build a SaaS business, you need to know all of those and a lot more, ideally some stuff around coding. And so if we're trying to understand how Nathan Barry was able to do this, if we go back into his uh, work history, you can see that he spent time as a designer where he designed business software. This was back in 2007. He was, again, a founder and designer later on in his career around 2010. What I'm basically saying here is it wasn't a surprise that Nathan had the skills and was able to, once he did double down on ConvertKit, like really start to grow that because he had the relevant skills that he'd been developing before. Instead of having to maybe raise money and hire people that have the skills you need, if you can spend five to 10 years in your career getting paid to learn the skills before you move into starting your own thing, that can be very valuable. You also get bonus points if you are spending your time developing that skill but in the area or the niche that your customers will be in. Because what this will do is give you the shortcut to be able to sell to them. To really understand and create marketing and to sell to people, it's really, really important that you have experienced their pain points, you really understand their problems, so that then you can create information that helps influence people, but also adds value to them, e.g. marketing. And you can also ask the right questions in your sales calls. So if we go back to what Nathan was doing Previous to building ConvertKit, Nathan had been writing ebooks, selling courses, doing work for clients. And these are all things that potential ConvertKit customers have had to do before. So he really understood the persona. So you could say that Nathan kind of just woke up and decided, yeah, I'm going to build a SaaS product in a random industry and it worked out really well. But in reality, he probably started building ConvertKit the day he started in online entrepreneurship, which was, say, back in 2007. The learning here is what are the skills that you or people within your marketing team or your co-founders can develop before you end up doing something else if you choose to do that in the future. Growth lever number three, going door to door. So we know that Nathan had experience selling courses and books, et cetera, previous to starting ConvertKit, and he was doing pretty well. And he was doing pretty well because he knew online marketing. But what did he do when he had to go and sell ConvertKit? He didn't do online marketing. He did one-to-one -one sales. This reminds me a little bit of the Zapier origin story that we covered in a separate growth study on this feed. 
where the Zapier founders, Wade, et cetera, were spending time one-on-one with customers. So they were on forums, finding people that had issues with the integrations, getting on calls with them, and then setting them up on Zapier straight away. So similar to what Nathan was doing here. So you actually have a copy of one of Nathan's cold emails that he was sending to people that were using, that had relatively big email lists and were using MailChimp or Aweber and ideally like switching them over to ConvertKit. So here's, I'll read it out for you quickly. So Sarah, is there anything frustrating you with MailChimp? The reason I ask is I run ConvertKit, which is an email marketing platform for professional bloggers. We'll talk about that in a second. We've got a lot of great bloggers using this, like Katie and Seth from Wellness Mama, Pat Flynn from Smart Path of Income and Chris Gillibo. I'd love to hear more about how we can build it better to serve bloggers like you talk soon. Nathan, I even have a screenshot, and this will be linked below, of the Trello board Nathan used to track his leads. So he basically had this manual Trello board, and he was finding people going cold, and then ideally learning from them, bringing them onto ConvertKit, and then converting them into customers. The key thing here, I think, for a founder or B2B marketer listening is that what he's really doing here through this communication, one-on-one communication that he's doing, the meetings that he's having, the calls he's having, is really, really learning about the customer. So yes, he's able to potentially sell some of them, the product, but then at the same time, he's also able to learn about them and he'll feed those learnings back into the product roadmap to make the thing easier to sell later on. And this is nicely summed up by a response Nathan gave to the question at some point, somewhere he was asked, does one-on-one sales scale? Nathan says, if you can't get customers, why does it matter if you can scale anyway? So this is big. If you're in an early marketing team at a SaaS company, or if you're a founder in an early SaaS company, it's down to you to go out and try and make those sales so you can see if it's going to work, but then also collect those learnings. So the learning from this growth lever is forget your blog, social channels, and email lists, find a database of prospects, and hit them one after the other until you're over 50k MRR. Growth lever number four, narrow your niche. So remember I was saying earlier that after few months Nathan gets to $2,000 MR, it drops down then to $1,300 and he's considering giving up. But prior to that drop down, and maybe one of the reasons for the drop down is that ConvertKit was email marketing for pretty much everyone. And it's only during that drop that Nathan goes full time on the business and niches down to email marketing for authors. Why authors, I hear you ask? A, because Nathan was an author. One of the ways he was making money before ConvertKit was selling his book. But then B, these people are relatively easy to find on other platforms such as Amazon and Udemy if they have a course as well. And so combining this focus with the outbound sales strategy we just discussed enabled Nathan to grow MRR 23% in that October, this is 2017, 27% in that November. So just those two simple changes, focusing on -on one-on-one sales, niching down, enabled him to almost double MRR in those two months. However, he started noticing a problem after that in that typically authors or most authors were normally too small. Like they weren't going to pay the big chunky MR fees. They were more hobbyists, not professionals. And so what Nathan decided to do is switch that up from somebody who called themselves an author to somebody who called themselves a blogger. He now refocuses his outreach to professional bloggers with 30,000 to 250,000 email subscribers and revenue starts to grow significantly. I have this, again, we'll link to the blog post with all this info on below, but have this screenshot from Bear Metrics, which basically shows the graph of MRR versus time. And this is just absolutely fascinating that we have this kind of stuff, but it's pretty flat from start of 2014 up to end of 2015. 
And we can see when Nathan switches to authors, we can see when he switches to bloggers, and the graph is just going up slightly, slightly, slightly as the positioning improves and the product improves, presumably. But then Nathan lands Pat Flynn, who is a big podcaster, big blogger, assuming he has a massive email list. And this happens just before the MRR starts to slide up. So it's about 30K when Pat Flynn becomes a customer. And then from there, within the next six months, it goes to over 200K. Because not only does Pat Flynn become a customer, he becomes an affiliate. And we'll talk more about that in the next growth lever. So that is the beauty of niching down. We don't know, but it's less likely that Nathan would have got the Pat Flynn customer if he wasn't focused on professional bloggers as the niche. The positioning continues to evolve right now. ConvertKit is email marketing for online creators. And why can they kind of do this now? Because they've gone into the more narrow market, served that customer well, and now they're able to broaden out. And to kind of highlight this point, we asked ConvertKit's director of marketing and data, Derek, what he thought was the most important factor that's led to their growth. He said, our ability to solve problems for specific groups of creators, which is exactly what we're talking about here. Let's jump into that Derek quote right now. I had to pick one single thing. I think it would be the narrow focus on solving specific problems for specific groups of creators. So at the very beginning, at the start of ConvertKit as a company, Nathan focused intensely on bloggers and helping bloggers succeed with email marketing. And even within that, he focused on certain kinds of bloggers as a starting point and grew from there. And now we have a broader view where we're looking at all online creators like artists, musicians, chefs, bloggers, writers, all of that. So we have a broader view, but even still in the broader sense of things, like it's still a very narrow focus where we're just primarily focused on online creators and artists and helping them succeed. So I think that narrow focus and solving very specific problems for that group of people has been key to ConvertKit's growth as a company. Growth lever number five, scaling partner webinars. Old school strategy, we covered it heavily in the ClickFunnels growth study. Step one, find people that sell to the same people that you do. Step two, create content with them potentially and then pay them to send you customers. And this was, in the early days, the thing that was responsible for the largest amount of growth for ConvertKit. And so if you think about going back to the last growth lever, the ideal customer for ConvertKit, this professional blogger, most of those were also ideal customers for ConvertKit because some professional bloggers would have audiences of other people that are bloggers. And so what we have here is a email that Daryl from the ConvertKit team was sending to potential influencers that were also customers to ideally sign them up for them to agree to do a webinar with ConvertKit. So here's the key line. I was wondering if you had any interest in partnering with us this fall on a ConvertKit webinar for your audience. If you'd be interested, I'd jump on a five, 10 minute call with you. So they were doing this to the big customers and they actually ended up running a grand total of 150 webinars over a 12 month period. That is insane. And the only thing that they were doing during the webinar, obviously they were talking about the power of email marketing and probably featuring ConvertKit, is they were giving away a free month to ConvertKit along with Nathan Barry's book and courses to anybody that stayed to the end. They weren't actually really selling anything here. Obviously anybody that did convert to become a ConvertKit customer, the affiliate commission would be given back to the blogger. And so like very easy offer. They weren't actually selling stuff like 
ClickFunnels in this case would be selling a $997 info course with a year of ClickFunnels, but here they were just literally giving away the free trial. And this is all going fine until, as mentioned in the previous GoFever, Pat Flynn, who probably has a massive email list in the millions, became an affiliate. And what I have here is a screenshot from a income report that Pat Flynn does, because he's a blogger, he posts his income report all the time. He basically, during this one month back in 2014 or 15, he generated $21,000 in commissions just in that month from ConvertKit. And what that means is that ConvertKit probably pulled in around $70,000 in revenue in that month from Pat Flynn of revenue that's been referred by Pat Flynn in that month alone. And so this just shows the power of that strategy. If you bring on customers or you can build relationships with partners that have an audience that's similar to yours, that like and trust you and want to create content with you and expose you to their audience, then this can be a massive leveraged exponential growth lever. And I have a quote here from Nathan. He was asked, what's your largest growth channel right now? And this was actually only three to four years ago. And he says, our webinar and affiliate program are the single largest channel. We put a lot of effort into them. About a third of all our revenue is driven by affiliates. What's the learning here? When you find a growth channel that works, go hard. Growth lever number six, strategic onboarding. So if you go and you sign up for a ConvertKit account right now, what's going to happen after you give your email is and you create the password, et cetera, add your credit card, is that you'll be asked, are you currently using any other email marketing tool in your business? You can say no or yes. If you say yes, you then go to another screen where they ask you which tool. And then once you've answered that, so you go to the next screen where it's asking you how many email subscribers you're going to be bringing over. So what are they doing here? A, and to add, every step is coincided with some additional social proof just to help you with the conversion through those stages. But what are they doing here? First, we're actually kind of getting you in the mood of actually doing stuff. You're clicking through things that's ideally going to get make you more likely to actually use the tool. B, they're collecting information about which other email marketing softwares are losing customers. And so this can help them with their market research, et cetera, and maybe even help with outbound campaigns to those customers. And then finally, by understanding how many email subscribers you potentially bring it over, they also can focus the efforts of the customer success team, because if somebody has, let's say, over 100,000 or a million subscribers, we can literally call them up straight away and give them a, a handheld onboarding experience. So this is just a super like, simple thing, like cost hardly anything to set that up within your onboarding flow, but it's going to give you the information to maximize the research, the market research you can do, but also the conversion rate because you're of the customers that matter because you're going to have more information about who's going to be more valuable to you. The learning here is consider building a smooth data gathering customer experience onboarding flow utilized or let's say lubricated by social proof. Growth lever number seven. Sometimes I think this is a strange one. So conferences. Yes, Zapier have a conference. Yes, ClickFunnels have a conference. But for me, it just seems like this isn't like something that I would do if I was running a big SaaS company. So ConvertKit have this event called Craft and Commerce, and they're not too concerned with sponsorship. It's almost like an afterthought in their FAQs when you're on the sales page. They're not really that concerned about sponsorship. That isn't the core motivation. They're not a media brand. And so why do they do it? They do it for to build the ethos and the goodwill around the ConvertKit brand. So let's jump into more. We asked Derek again, ConvertKit's director of marketing and data, what is the reason for having this 
conference. Let's jump into that answer now. If I had to pick one benefit, it would just be brand building. But I think it's important to think about why it builds the brand. And I think the reason why it builds the brand is we are able to foster uh, community development within the creator space. So we're able to bring creators together so they can connect with each other and build relationships and learn and grow through those relationships. And I think that has a net positive effect on the perception of the ConvertKit brand because we were able to foster that community development. So if I had to pick one benefit, there's lots of benefits of it, even though it costs us a lot of money to do it, to put on the conference. But if I had to pick one, it would be building the brand. Growth lever eight, and it's a fluffy one. It's actually living the brand value. So when I scroll through the value section of 95%, let's say, of SaaS businesses, they typically cringe. They're normally uninspiring, watered down, incongruent. ConvertKit, on the other hand, have three. Work in public, create every day, and teach everything you know. So let's just take one, work in public. As I mentioned previously in this episode, a lot of the data I've got is from the bare metrics page that ConvertKit have, which show everything, all the numbers right from the start. Super interesting. So just Google ConvertKit bare metrics. We'll also link that below. And you can see revenue, et cetera. Everything is awesome. So it's like the definition of working in public. Another way that I think Nathan's done really well to take those values and help build the community around the brand is a talk that he did at one of the craft and commerce conferences where Nathan is super clever, like building the enemy, which is these other larger email marketing platforms that are going upstream to serve more enterprise customers, but not ConvertKit. They're staying with the creator. There's a quote at the start of that talk that says, creators, they're using your money to go after bigger companies. And this just helps really reinforce the values, reinforce the brand, because every tribe needs a common enemy. And Nathan has very carefully identified three or four of them in the first few minutes of that talk, so we'll link to that below. So the key here is, what are your brand values? And have you truly internalized them? Do you talk about them? Do you act in a way that is in alignment with these values? Because I think that's one thing ConvertKit probably does better than any of the other big email marketing platforms. Growth lever nine. In an unprecedented move on the seventh birthday, ConvertKit introduced a freemium plan. And so now for the first time, a creator can go and create and send emails for free. Previously, the lowest plan was $29 per month and had significantly higher churn than the other plans, 12%. So ConvertKit decided to also enable creators to come in and use the platform without paying. Now, great Great for users, going to get more users for sure. Definitely going to add on cost though. So what are ConvertKit getting in exchange for this? Now, first strategically, they are ideally going to be picking up creators that are building their email list and so will later become good customers for ConvertKit. Instead of going to one of the other email marketing tools that maybe have a freemium plan, they're going to go to ConvertKit and they're going to grow with them. But that's long term. There are two things that happen when you come in and use ConvertKit for free. Number one, which is one of my favorite fast growth strategies of all time is virality. And so we have a podcast hosting tool called Becast. It's actually delivering this audio TV to you right now. Every podcast that's produced has a podcast website that has a link to Becast at the bottom of that website. That's an example of virality. So when you're on the freemium plan for ConvertKit, you can't remove the powered by ConvertKit branding that is on the landing pages and is on the emails you send, exposing 
your all the traffic on your site or on your email list to the ConvertKit brand. That's pretty standard, but awesome. Creators are going to kind of come in and will be essentially advocates for ConvertKit. Second, though, if you are looking to upgrade or you click on one of the premium tabs to unlock more subscribers, more features, there's actually two options. A, you can pay, which is fine for ConvertKit, of course. But then B, you can refer a friend. And actually, you're able to unlock either additional subscribers or additional features if you refer a friend. So for example, if you refer one customer, you'll unlock 100 more subscribers. And so yes, we're getting these maybe poor quality customers coming in, but we're saving them or they're going to stay with us as they grow and they'll be used to convert here, they'll be less likely to move over. But then at the same time, those people on the freemium plan are like your own little ambassadors and that are now incentivized to actually bring you more customers. So we asked Derek if we're missing anything here, if that was the reason why ConvertKit created the freemium plan. So let's jump into that clip now. Yes, tons of unexpected results. It's a massive test for us. One we still don't quite know the answer to yet. Hopefully we'll have a more clear answer in the months ahead here. But so far, it looks to be extremely positive. So some of the unexpected results are more so learnings than anything else. So one of the big learnings for me personally is how big of a lever of growth product can be. I've always thought of marketing as being in the driver's seat of growth. And I think that's true in, in many ways, but I've shifted my thinking a little bit on that, where I think of marketing as creating the opportunity or potential for growth and having product market fit and having a product driven growth strategy is key. The reason for that is we have seen a massive increase in growth in new accounts because of our product offering. We didn't make a ton of marketing changes in Q1 of 2020 this year. It was mostly driven by product, meaning we changed the core offering of the product. We shifted to a freemium model and we have seen a massive increase in new accounts. So we went from around three to 400 new accounts created a day upwards to 100 to 1,000 new accounts a day. And that growth is being sustained because of the marketing channels we have working. We're going to continue to iterate and dump gas on that from a marketing perspective and really get our message out there in uh, Q2 and Q3 this year. But it was amazing to witness that and see how powerful product can be as a driver of growth and how important it is to shift your focus from marketing to product when you need to see step-level changes within the organization or the growth trajectory of the company. So that was a big unexpected result in learning for me personally. The other thing we learned is, I guess, a reminder that market positioning can be really challenging to overcome or change. We've always been known as an email marketing company from our inception. That's what we were. And at the beginning of the year, we rolled out a free product, a free landing page product. And the reaction from our current community was one, they weren't as excited about it as we thought they would be. And that was because they wanted email sending within that product. They really wanted us to be a freemium email tool. And it was amazing to see the contrast where we saw a big increase in new accounts coming in from people that were excited about the free landing page product. But our current user base was not as excited about the product. So we're iterating made changes. We're now offering 500 subscribers or email sending, broadcast sending to 500 subscribers with our free landing page product. 
So we've iterated and made changes that are maybe a little bit more reflective of our current market positioning as a company. The next thing we learned is virality is really difficult to make happen. At the beginning of the year, we incorporated a refer-a-friend model that would unlock email sending by referring a friend successfully. And the adoption of that was not what we thought it would be. So we're continuing to iterate there, and we're not done testing things, but it did not get the adoption that we thought it would. And then the last thing was just seeing how our team can pull off big, seemingly impossible things. At the beginning of the year, we had no idea how we would hit the goals that we set, and they were scary. They were big, hairy, audacious goals, and we rallied as a team. And we figured out how to answer the core questions we had. We made product changes, marketing changes. The success team was ready for an influx of new users coming in. And we rallied the team and made it happen. And that was incredible to be a part of that experience and see the team come together together to make that happen. So those were the big learnings and unexpected results. Growth lever 10, the immaculate conception. So after thinking about all these other nine growth levers, I often try to think like, which is the thing that's made this such a great success story? And for me, it goes back to the first growth lever we discussed, which is everything that Nathan did prior to starting ConvertKit. If you really think about it, that was like the training period. So ConvertKit was almost like it was started right at the start of Nathan's career online. So here's a list of things that Nathan, before launching ConvertKit, either launched or tried to launch. A hosting business, a WordPress themes business, a local social networking network for businesses, an iPad app to help non-verbal kids communicate, flashcards app for the iPhone, a habit tracking iPhone app, and two books and multiple courses. So just going through the process of launching those things and at the same time having a job in the world of iOS web applications in design definitely gave Nathan the skills that he needed in order to be effective when he launched ConvertKit. Then he led on top of that a audience and a network. So he was building, he was blogging on NathanBarry.com, he was writing about designing, he was writing about freelancing, he was writing about entrepreneurship. All of those types of people would be ideal customers for ConvertKit. So he led on top of the skills, the audience, so that when he came to launch the thing, his first customers were almost guaranteed. And then he also had the network. So I remember right at the start, of this episode, we were talking about how Hidden Shard gave him the advice to double down on ConvertKit. So we also had the network and advice. And so this works. If you're a founder looking to start something, maybe there's skills, an audience or a network that you can build that's going to make it easier for you to start something in the future. And at the same time, if you're like, maybe you want an ideal role, if you're a B2B marketer, you want an ideal role or you want to move companies, then again, it's skills, audience, network. If you leverage those things first, you'll be much more likely to A, start or launch the thing you want to do, but then also be successful at it just like Nathan Barry and ConvertKit. All right, team, hope you valued that. If you have any feedback about the growth studies episode format, this is number five or six. Some of them have performed really well, so I'm going to keep doing these episodes because A, I love making them and B, I've had great feedback. But if you have any feedback, please leave that in the form of a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or just feel free to DM me on LinkedIn. But if you do review, send me a screenshot and I'll get you a shout out in the outro of a future episode. Growth of the show in the past three months has been awesome. We've been growing faster than ever before. So I'm very happy. I'm so grateful that you 
spend time out of your week to listen to me and I hope that I make it worth your while. But if I'm not, let me know, DM me on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, and of course, a big shout out to fame.so. Link will be below. We've started a great podcast with B2B businesses. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>